All right, and welcome back to the latest episode of Favorite Things. Uh, apologies in advance, you may hear our washing machine running in the background for a little ASMR. Uh, just imagine you're sitting in a restroom with a lot of people going to the bathroom simultaneously, <laughs> or just in a really, really, really mechanized rainstorm. Uh, either of those, if, if they help you out, that's fine. If it distracts you, I'm sorry. Uh, let's be honest, you're listening to us just because we're some white noise in the background. <laughs> so what's an added layer? Yeah, the laundry's got to be done. The laundry <laughs> has got to be done. Uh, welcome back, guys. We are continuing our series on the Spider-Man films uh, from Sony Pictures. Uh, and starting next week with uh, Marvel Studios in conjunction with Sony Pictures. And uh, I have to be honest, I'm, I'm glad that the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man movies kind of started us off on a little bit of a rough patch because I feel like we are coming to such a great spot with these movies now that those first three movies really feel like growing pains. Mm -hmm. um, by the time we get to uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, and, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I feel like Spider-Man films are down to a science, and I love that. Uh -huh. And I, I really appreciate. I last week I gushed so much about uh, the Amazing Spider-Man two, and I have to say, right off the bat, Into the Spider-Verse is leaps and bounds ahead of Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 2. I love Amazing Spider-Man 2. It affected me way more than I thought it would. Uh, but now our, our machine's in a in a uh, spin cycle, so you might hear what sounds like a, uh, a mixer uh, machine in the background. Uh, yeah, at least it's making the right noises. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> um, so... Anyway, got sidetracked by my own household appliances. <laughs> uh, yeah, Into the Spider-Verse that we're going to be talking about this week is such a perfectly crafted film that I, I'm i amazed, first of all, I got made. Um, yeah. Everything conventional wisdom on superhero films, uh, on... Uh, on brand recognition and confusion, the fact that simultaneously you have the Tom Holland Spider-Man films coming out and you're releasing another Spider-Man film that's unrelated. Uh, even it, as an animated film, it's it's kind of a corporate no-no. Uh, for years, they refused to make a Batman TV show at the same time that Batman movies were coming out. And in the same way, they were very hesitant to make a Superman movie at the same time that Superman TV shows were coming out. Hey, you. Stop. Uh, we're, we're not yelling at you. We're yeah, yelling sorry. at our cat. If if you were doing something wrong, though, seriously, though, stop. Yeah. Um, sorry. This, I was going to spray her, but this pretty well. Here, here, my wife, <laughs> disappointingly telling you to stop doing whatever you're doing if you were doing something wrong. Now, if you weren't doing anything wrong, understand we were talking to a cat. But... If you were doing something wrong, I want you to rewind the podcast, 
listen to my wife condescendingly tell you like a house pet not to do it. And I want you to listen to what she's saying because, uh, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyhow, back to the movie. We are on Sidetrack Central tonight. I can't believe it. I was it. looking for the spray bottle to spray or we so take I didn't one, do that, but... We take one weekday off from I work know. so that we don't have... That we've got a day away from structure and the whole house of cards collapses. My goodness, <laughs> woman, you are in rare form tonight, but so am I. Yeah. All right, it's going to be a good one. Uh, yeah. This might be an absolute dumpster fire of an episode, but it it's going to be. be worth watching. Um, We're listening. Yeah, I mean, I look at my screen while I'm doing podcasts. I mean, that's the <laughs> only way to drive is through my peripheral vision yeah uh so back to the movie <laughs> at least until the next distraction uh -huh. um this movie should not exist and yet it does and it does it does near impossible things uh, from traditional thinking standpoints and pulls them off with such grace and excellence I, I can't really, I don't know how they did it, one, and two, how they're going to be able to pull it off again in a year with its sequel. Uh -huh. um, so, let's break down this movie. Uh, this movie, uh, we're doing a little bit of a, an out-of-order release in, in how we're reviewing this, rather than interrupting the two... Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man films to talk about this because it's only related in the fact that it's a Spider-Man story. Uh, we we didn't want to interrupt those other two, so we're talking about this this film mainly because I desperately want to talk about this film. Um, it's fantastic, and we there's one thing that happened that guaranteed we got this film and uh i'm simultaneously sad and grateful uh so uh phil miller and christopher lord i may be messing up the first name but it's miller and lord uh are the writers of such comedies as 21 and 22 jump street uh they wrote the lego movie um, they're responsible for writing some of the funniest and most entertaining stories of the 20-teens. So, uh, early on, uh, Disney buys Lucasfilm. They're going to do some one-off Star Wars stories. They decide that they want Miller and Lord to direct Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, what happened on that set is... There's a combination of rumor and some record keeping. The bottom line is they were fired a significant way through the filming of that film. Uh, and Ron Howard came in and basically reshot 70% of the film to get what we received in 2018. Um, people's opinions on that film are varied. Uh, I personally adore it. I, I think it's fantastic, especially being salvaged from uh, two very different points of view on filmmaking. Um, we will talk about that at some point when we go through Star Wars movies. 
at some point. That's not a promise, but <laughs> uh, I would love to talk about that film because it's fascinating. But rolling off of the making of that film, uh, Miller is looking for other high-level projects that he can bring his point of view to. So one of those projects is uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, around this time, there were a series of comics that were going to be coming to the forefront that basically dealt with all of the various different versions of Spider-Man that have ever come out. Mm -hmm. And it's not the first time this has been done. Uh, it was done in the 1990s on the Spider-Man animated television show. Uh, Spider-Man travels through alternate dimensions, uh, teams up with various versions of himself uh, to take on a, a crisis that is uh, beyond even his talents. Uh, it's actually a two-part finale for that TV show, and it's a lot of fun. I One, I recommend that cartoon because it's it's got a whole story all of its own of, of why it shouldn't have happened, but it did. But two, it, it summed up the show really well. Uh, and it actually ends with one of the Spider-Men that uh, Peter Parker, who is the main Spider-Man in that story, meets is an actor from a universe where Spider-Man isn't real. Huh. And... He goes and introduces him to the man who created Spider-Man, Stan Lee. <laughs> nice. And that's how the show ends. It's it's a very beautiful end to that cartoon. So fast forward about 20 years, and there is a video game called Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions. Unfortunately, because of rights issues, it is not currently available digitally. You can find hard copies for the PlayStation 3 Xbox 360 and PC systems, but you can't really find it for anything else right now. And the concept in that was you played as four different Spider-Men who came together from these vastly different existences uh, to fight a greater evil. Um, and each one played differently, looked differently, had a different voice actor, and it, it's a really good game. It's more linear than a classic Spider-Man game, but it's incredibly interesting fast forward again around the time that into the spider-verse is being made spider-man spider-verse is a crossover event within the spider-man comic books where a series of it's really complicated to explain they had well a, a great number of spider-man issues in the comic books to explain it I would have to resurrect catching up with Marvel to give a whole series on, on these characters. Long story short, they're a supernatural family of spider hunters. They hunt down beings like Spider-Man and they suck their life essence out. They're effectively vampires, <laughs> but for beings like Spider-Man exclusively, they hunt them uh, across the multiverse to extinction. And it's how they survive. That's the Spider-Verse comic crossover that's happening around the time this film comes out. Every story I've told you thus far, or mentioned thus far, has Peter Parker at the center of it. 
Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Uh, in Spider-Verse uh, 2018, I believe that's when he came out, uh, in that particular line, there are a couple of non-Peter Parker Spider-Man uh, Spider-People that show up, uh, including one that pops up in this film. But uh, it's all very much focused around Peter Parker bringing together these universes to fight a greater evil. That's an interesting comic book story. It's, it's very interesting even in a television series to tell. But when you're talking about the limitations of a film, you have between 75 and realistically for an animated film, two hours. If you go any longer than two hours on an animated film, you are really stretching the, the attention span of, of your audience. Mm -hmm. You have between 75 minutes and 120 minutes to tell a story in and out, complete, beginning, middle, and end of what you're doing. The conflict across dimensions is kind of, that's a big concept to try to capture in a TV show, uh, in, a, in a movie. In a TV show it works, and in a movie it really doesn't. So what do you do? They tell a story that is not about Peter Parker. He's a character. He's actually a very important character, mm -hmm. or characters I should say. But Peter Parker is not the center of this story. He is more on the edge of and, and surrounding the story. Instead, we bring in a character that was introduced in the mid-2000s, Miles Morales. Mm -hmm. uh, and we are going to tell the story of how he becomes Spider-Man. I want to say up front, I've been a big fan of Miles Morales since 2009 when Brian Michael Bendis introduced him in Ultimate Comics. I have thought for a long time that when you're telling superhero stories, eventually you need to retire the old characters. Bruce Wayne at some point either needs to retire or die. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter Parker at some point needs to retire or die. Uh, even Clark Kent at some point needs to retire or die. Bring in new versions of these characters, give them the same power sets or similar power sets, and let the character continue and let it rotate and let it become its own thing different for whatever the story demands at the time. Miles Morales spins out in the comic books in a story very similar to this one. Uh, and he is a black Latino teenager who steps into this role as Spider-Man. And he has become, to me, the best recreation of that 1960s Spider-Man as a teenager in storytelling. Every Spider-Man story, good Spider-Man story that I'm aware of as an adult, is of Spider-Man as either a college student or as an adult. He is never a teenager in those best stories. Yeah. But when you tell the stories of Miles Morales. Miles Morales almost always gets to be a kid being Spider-Man. And it works. It works from a number of levels. It works from the racial uh, level because he's fighting in Harlem and he's he's in an area that is very ethnically diverse. He's fighting in an area that's very socioeconomically diverse. It, it works a lot better than 
Peter Parker as Spider-Man who's in Queens or he's in Manhattan and it's at a certain point it becomes the same superhero story over and over again. Yeah. Miles Morales allows for a new story. And if you know anything about me, I love a new story. Um, and Miles allows for that. Yeah. So, you take these two ideas. You take the Spider-Verse idea. You take the Miles idea. You clap them together. And in two hours, you tell one of the most compelling, interesting, and heartfelt Spider-Man stories. But also one of the most heartfelt Peter Parker stories. On top of that, and you've gone beyond having my intention and interest, but you now have my affection because you pulled off something extremely hard to do. And you did it with humor, some of the best animation and art in the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, so this film won Best Animated Oscar in 2019. Uh, for the 2019 Academy Awards, which is technically for 2018, but yeah. the Academy Awards have their whole bit of mess. That year wasn't particularly great for the Academy. Uh, they, uh, the movie Green Book won over several films that were arguably much, much better. I don't even know what that is. Uh, so Green Book is a film that it is viewed, mind you, we're only two and a half years out. It, it is viewed as kind of problematic in certain racial circles um, just because it's it's about a black man learning uh, how to cope with racism from his white driver. Um, so it's it's got it's got some issues. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the film. This is coming entirely from criticism. Yeah. This is an outsider on the outside, not talking about Green Book, but talking about how Green Book is perceived. Yeah. Um, but it, it's also the year that Shahala Ali wins Best Supporting Actor for that movie. Simultaneously, he is a supporting actor in this movie as Uncle Aaron, the Prowler. Okay. And this movie comes out of left field, I expected it to be a cash grab, honestly, going in. And then the animation style, the acting, and the story really changed my mind on what this is and took it from a lot of modern animated films kind of oscillate between high art and cash grab. And this managed to be art. And I really appreciated it. Yeah. And in just a second, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what I absolutely loved about this movie. I have a very difficult time finding things I didn't like about this movie. Um, and then we'll sum all that up and look at what's ahead in coming weeks on Favorite Things. We'll be back in just a moment. Okay, and we're back. And this movie, right off the bat, catches me with 
as the opening logos for Columbia Pictures come up on the screen, they're going through this kind of filter where everything's kind of sorting through every possible variation on what it has been or could be. And the music is just kind of growing and growing and growing. And this movie uses imagery and sound like a weapon. And it works. It works really, really, really well. Um, this movie is the closest I have seen to a live-action comic book with the with the sound bubbles and the thought uh, the thought bubbles, actual internal monologues happening. Um, the The sheer ridiculousness of things happening in a scene is wonderful. So the, the movie opens with uh, a narration from Chris Pine, who is a surprise from the marketing materials of this film, was not a voice actor who was advertised. Um, <laughs> is giving a narration. He's been Spider-Man for 10 years. Uh, and he's done all this great stuff as as Spider-Man. And including uh, some of the dance scenes from Spider-Man 3. And he goes, we don't talk about that. <laughs> uh, and even has talks about doing a Christmas album. And it's into this setting that we see him saving the day. And then you're like, okay, this is our intro to a Spider-Man movie. And then it leaves Spider-Man entirely. <laughs> yeah. And we meet a young black boy named Miles Morales listening to music, uh, singing along with a song. Uh, okay. He doesn't sing the words perfectly, which is fantastic because that is literally every time I try to sing along with a song. Huh? I think I get every third word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and usually that third word, there's a 75% chance I get the right word. And sometimes I'm so far off. It's incredible, the songs I'm singing. <laughs> um, but we meet Miles. Miles is a high school student. Uh, he enjoys creating sticker graffiti. Um, he's very, very intelligent. So intelligent, in fact, that he is going to uh, a private school in the middle of the city that he goes to, stays throughout the week, and then comes home on the weekends. And uh, he's not sure why he's going. Uh, this is an element that's lifted directly from the Ultimate Comic Spider-Man around 2009, uh, where Miles is an incredibly gifted student, but he doesn't want to be. He wants to be like all the other guys in his neighborhood and fit in. He wants to be a normal teenager. Uh, one difference for this film, as opposed to the comics at the time, is Miles' dad was just a blue-collar worker, in the comics. In this, he is a bluest of blue-collar workers. He is a cop, um, which adds a good bit of tension to this movie. Um, but 
we see the dynamic with Miles' family. Miles' mom doesn't get a lot of play in this movie. We see her as affectionate, we see her as a mother, but that's really it for this film. The relationship is really between Miles and his dad. Um, and we see that his dad loves him, but he's a dad. He, he's going to say, okay, do the right thing. All right, I'm, I'm leaving now. And, and Miles relates better to his uncle. And we see a tension there with, with Miles and his dad, but a, a magnetism to his uncle. Uh, his dad's like, all right, I saw you put up those stickers. You're going to pull all those down this weekend. Um, and whenever Miles is with his uncle, Uncle Aaron, uh, it's that just full confession right here on the air. If, if I've watched one of your kids and I'm an uncle to one of them, I've probably spoiled them, and I may have enabled them to commit some minor misdemeanors. <laughs> no felonies to my knowledge, but I'm never going to say never. So, um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, this is how we get out of babysitting. <laughs> um, so, the, the movie sh shows... Miles going to private school, we see that he feels like a fish out of water. He's going into this place where everyone's wearing this outfit. He deliberately picks uh, choices like not tying his shoes uh, or not buttoning the top button of his of his uniform just to feel like he has some semblance of individualism or identity. Goes to the day, uh, meets Wanda, uh, which surprise is not her actual name uh early on in the film uh and he thinks she's cute but it's a day in high school and the movie does a really good job of kind of going through your day in the same way that you would in high school you kind of your head pops up for a moment you're in science class you're in a homeroom and all of a sudden it's the end of the day and Miles doesn't want to stick around in his room. Miles goes, leaves campus to go visit his uncle. And so he goes and visits his uncle Aaron in the city. And his Aaron, uh, his Aaron, his uncle is a nice enough guy, but he is enabling. Uh, Miles's love of graffiti and art, and honestly, it's really good graffiti art. Um, so they go to kind of an abandoned subway station and they do this piece of graffiti. And while they're doing that, a single spider drops from the ceiling and bites Miles on the hand. The thing I love about the scene is, from our point of view, it is super dramatic and heightened. But then it zooms out to what Miles sees and Miles literally smacks his hand and swats the, the spider away. And then moves on. And Miles goes back to his room at the school and falls asleep and then wakes up the next morning. No traumatic experience with people where he's, you know, assaulting them on a subway. Uh, no, uh, no freak out dream, obvious I need to go to the doctor experience. Um, instead, we get something that blends the best parts of 
the Raimi Spider-Man films and the Amazing Spider-Man films kind of into one sequence. Miles wakes up and he's like a foot taller. And so he doesn't fit in his uniform. He goes out, he meets Wanda, uh, and goes to do the, the smooth move his uncle showed him, put your hand on their shoulder and say, hey, and goes to do that and his hand gets stuck eventually getting his hand stuck in Wanda's hair, um, which has to be shaved off by the school nurse because he can't get his hand out of her hair. Uh, Miles is trying to figure things out. He's going through the school, literally crawling along walls, sneaking around, running from security, uh, tries to call his uncle. His uncle isn't picking up the phone. So he goes back to the site of where he got bit by the spider. And this is around this time, Miles is starting to suspect, he reads Spider-Man comic books, he's starting to suspect that he is like Spider-Man. And so he's trying to find the spider. So he finds the spider only for that section of the subway to explode. And he finds himself right in the middle of a fight between Spider-Man and the Green Goblin and some other villains and uh, one thing I like right off the bat is this version of the Green Goblin is its own thing it's kind of a hybrid of the Green Goblin from Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark which is really weird you can look that up on YouTube it is incredibly weird uh, and the Green Goblin from Ultimate Comics where he's kind of a Hulk-like monster and we come to find out that Spider-Man is trying to stop some sort of experiment happening beneath the streets of New York. And Spider-Man beats the Green Goblin, but then we meet Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, voiced by Lee Schreiber. And Lee Schreiber in this role is so sinister and so vicious. It is... Well, I'll get to that. Um, so, Spider-Man rescues Miles. Miles is in danger during this fight. Uh, Spider-Man very quickly, uh, as their spider senses are feeding back off of each other, notices, hey, we're like each other. Miles says, I don't want this. And Peter goes, I'm sorry, I don't think it works like that. Um, Spider-Man's able to stop the machinery from working, but it's trapped in a collapse uh he tells miles to go and hide take the take the piece of software he's got he's going to need to use it to stop uh what's going on stop this machinery uh spider-man is trapped under rubble wilson fist walks up interrogates uh a very blonde peter parker before murdering him um it's at this point I have to pause the movie and check the rating. And yes, this is a PG movie. <laughs> uh, this this is a a well done. It's not hyper graphic, but it is intense. Um, and I, each time I see this movie and and Peter Parker is killed, it kind of it catches the the breath in my throat and. It's a bold move right off the bat um, to kill the 
main character of what we know of Spider-Man movies. And so Miles gets away, run, running away from the Prowler that, spoiler alert, is his uncle. And all of the sudden, uh, he gets out. It's on the news everywhere that Spider-Man, now revealed to be Peter Parker, is dead. He's 26 years old. He leaves behind his wife, Mary Jane, and his Aunt May. And the whole city mourns. And it's really sad. And it's at this point in the movie that we get our Stan Lee cameo. Stan uh, runs Stan's costumes. And uh, Miles buys kind of a crappy Spider-Man costume. And he, uh, he goes... Uh, can I return it if it doesn't fit? And Stan goes, well, they always fit eventually. And then it, the camera pans over and it says no refunds for any reason. <laughs> and Stan just keeps this smile on his face. Um, and Miles puts on the costume and goes out to a memorial for Spider-Man out in the city. And uh, Mary Jane is giving this speech and she talks about... Um, Speaking to everyone in generalities, it's up to you. Anyone can wear the mask. And, and Miles goes, me? And a guy next to him goes, dude, I, I think they're talking metaphorically. <laughs> and the dude not realizing that this is Miles' story. And Peter Parker, Spider-Man, literally said, hey, you, this is on you. Yeah. Um, and so Miles immediately goes to a tall building to try out his spider powers and chickens out <laughs> and goes to a much shorter building and when he goes to make the run he trips falls stumbles off of about five different things <laughs> and knows i can't do this and so he goes to visit the grave of peter parker as he does so he is visited by and surprised by someone who looks like a much older Peter Parker. And it's at this point that the movie flashes back and introduces us to this new version. This is Peter B. Parker, uh, voiced by Jake Johnson of New Girl fame. And he has been doing it for 22 years. He is uh, 38 years old as opposed to 26. Uh, he uh, he was married, is divorced uh, from Mary Jane. His aunt is dead. Uh, he has put on a few pounds. Um, he has been kind of being schlubby in his apartment. Uh, and that's how he was found when he was brought to our uni universe. And, uh, and that's where he found himself when he saw that Peter Parker had died. And so, walking up to check on the, the grave, he meets Miles, who immediately uses a superpower called the Venom Sting to tase him. Uh, and what we get is a really great comedy of errors, uh, as he accidentally activates uh, Peter's web shooters. It looks like he's robbing the grave of Peter Parker. Uh, <laughs> And at one point it goes out, there's a guy in a Spider-Man costume who's dragging around the corpse of a homeless person. Because Peter B. Parker looks rough. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, we get a really great chase thing, scene through the city. Eventually, uh, everything is resolved as Peter B. Parker regains consciousness after being dragged through the st streets and banged against anything and everything. <laughs> um, he explains who he is to, uh, to Miles, and Miles is like, great, you can teach me everything. And he gives really unhelpful advice like, all right, first things first, um, baby powder. Uh, it's really hard to get in and out of the costume. And he's like, uh, also, uh, make sure you wash the costume this way, because if you don't, it will smell awful. <laughs> and it reminded me very much of when we first got into the pandemic and everyone was wearing masks, and I became very aware that I needed to wash my mask regularly and brush my teeth well every day before putting the mask on. Um, but that's all the helpful advice that Peter B. Parker has for Miles, and Miles is kind of disappointed. Um, as they say, don't meet your heroes. Um, but this is a Peter who is really beaten down. He, he was Spider-Man for a lot of years and lost everything that he cared about. He lost his aunt, he lost his wife, and it's not because of villains, it's because of time and lack of energy and effort put into what mattered. Um, but Peter B. Parker knows he needs to help this kid out because if not, uh, this thing that brought him to this other dimension uh, is going to tear apart New York City. Uh, and simultaneously, it is causing, like, random seizures and spasms to him that eventually will kill him. Yeah. So, they go to Alchemax, where they find all of the computer stuff that they need is going to be uh, to create a new key. So, uh, they visit Alchemax. Uh, Peter B. Parker, by the way, is wearing the top half of the costume normally while wearing sweatpants <laughs> and no shoes on the bottom. Um, which, I gotta be honest, I think that's my Halloween costume next year. is a Spider-Man top and then sweatpants and bare feet. I mean, when the black hole found him, he was lying on his bed eating pizza. Yeah. And it, so it shows that he threw on the costume real quick, but it ate the bottom part of his costume. Um... So we get a really great scene where they're sneaking through Alchemax. Eventually we meet uh, a doctor, uh, Olivia, uh, her friends call her Liv, um, <laughs> who is uh, Dr. Olivia Octavius, who is Dr. Octopus. And Catherine Hahn is great yep. in this role. Um, and it's, it's really great because this movie plays out like a comic book. The animation style is like a comic book. If you look close to the characters, um, you can see the ink stippling marks on all of them, like they're inside of a comic book. Uh, they escape from Alchemax. Uh, Peter teaches Miles how to web, web sling, uh, and they do so uh, okay until they don't. Um, and then uh, eventually, uh, Doc Ock catches up with him only for another spider person to appear. And this spider person is Gwanda. Uh, Gwanda actually being uh, Gwen Stacy. And 
Gwen, as you experienced in the Amazing Spider-Man films, uh, is one of Peter's great loves. In this, we find out that she is from a universe where she was built, bit by a spider, watched her best friend Peter Parker die, and uh, and was able to save her father from uh, being killed in the line of duty. And so she is there to help. She arrived actually before Spider-Man died. And so now we have three spider people who are trying to use this information from Alchemax, uh, which by the way is a evil corporation from the Spider-Man comics, specifically Spider-Man 2099. If you're curious who Spider-Man 2099 is, just wait, I'll have more to say. <laughs> but they escape, they decide they need to take the information to someone who might know what to do with it, so they go to visit Peter's old Aunt May. They arrive and immediately Aunt May answers the door. Uh, Peter B. Parker is struggling because his Aunt May is long dead. Um, and as he talks with her, she doesn't seem phased at all, or surprised at all. Takes him back to the back, they go into the shed, and, and Peter's like, oh, I had a place like this, just a little place to work on the gadgets. And it's like the bat cave. They yeah. go down, there's tons of spider suits. Almost all the spider suits that you can use in the uh, Spider-Man PlayStation 4 game. And uh, it's at this point that Aunt May lets them know, hey, some other spider people arrived. And it's at this point we're introduced to Spider-Man Noir, voiced by Nicolas Cage, uh, Spider-Ham, uh, voiced by John <laughs> Mulaney, uh, who is a Looney Tunes type character. We're introduced to uh, Penny Parker and her Spider-Bot, uh, which is like a giant mech, and she's animated anime style. Uh, and all, all of these different characters are in... Oh, Spider-Man Noir is black and white. Like, he stepped out of a black and white film. Um, all of these different characters come from different time periods, different locations, but the same idea that with great power comes great responsibility. And they... It shares bits and pieces of their origin stories before they finally say, Enough! Enough! And uh, it's at this point in the movie that they know what they need to do. They've got the technology to do it. But Miles is the one who is taking responsibility because he promised the universe he lives in, Peter Parker, who's dead, I'll take care of this. And all of the spider people start interrogating. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you? And when it finally comes apparent to him that he's not as good as they are, he turns invisible and runs away. Uh, they all go up to the house to see where, uh, what's going on. Uh, Miles has run to his uncle's house in the meantime to, to get someone who understands him, only to find out that his uncle is the Prowler. Um, Miles comes back to Aunt May's house only for all of the villains to show up and attack. And we get a really great superhero fight scene uh, in animated story. Uh, a great moment is when Dr. Octopus bursts in uh, and earlier she says, my friends call me Liv. And 
when she bursts in, Aunt May looks up and goes, oh, great, it's Liv. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, in the comic books, uh, based Marvel comics, uh, Aunt May and Otto Octavius often were either friends or romantically linked. Oh, interesting. Um, which, which makes for an interesting idea of the possible history with uh, Aunt May, voiced by Lily Tomlin, by the way. And so all of this goes down. They're able to beat off most of the attackers, uh, except for Miles gets cornered by his uncle. And as his uncle has him by the throat, he pulls off his mask, and his uncle can't bring himself to do any harm to his nephew. Wilson Fisk, seeing the criminal being weak, executes him without question and miles is able to pull his uncle's body to safety only to watch him die in an alley he's cornered by his dad um, who finds his uncle's body Uh, miles is able to sneak past without being captured Um, but jefferson davis uh weeps over the body of his brother aaron and um it's at this point in the movie that I cry about every three minutes um, because the performers are giving great performances through the animation, but through the voice acting in particular, dealing with uh, their own loss. Um, when Peter B. Parker is talking about losing his Aunt May and then meeting the very much alive Aunt May, that gets me. Um, when uh, Jefferson is weeping over his brother and then goes and tries to visit Miles um, at his room. Um, all of the spider people basically tie Miles to a chair because they're like, no, you, you're going to get yourself hurt trying to help us. Um, Jefferson comes and, and knocks on the door. He, he sees Miles' shadow under the door, but he knows Miles might not want to talk to him. And he's trying to tell his son through the door, I, I just want us to be right. I just, I know there's something between us. I know we're not connecting the way we should be, but I just want us, because he's trying to break through because his relationship with his brother broke down and he doesn't want that to happen with his son. And it just gets me every time. I'm tearing up thinking about it. And uh, eventually... Miles knows, all right, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And it's at this point that he's able to gain enough confidence to use his powers under control. Up to this point, they've all been instinct and break out of the chair. And that's what leads us into the third act, which we will talk about in just a moment. into the third act and the other spider people are going to they're going to Wilson Fisk's party to break in and get to the underground lair Miles has broken free but what's he need to do to step into the role that he knows he's meant for he goes back to Peter's house Aunt May is there and she goes what took you so long which is a great moment He takes one of the Spider-Man costumes and he makes it his own. He 
he paints it black with a red spider. And uh, something I neglected to mention before is this movie has a great hip hop uh, soundtrack that really anchors it in the setting and feel of this film. And guys, I'm not a hip hop fan. I love the soundtrack for this movie. I love it. When he puts on the costume and What's Up Danger starts playing and there's this beautiful script directed camera move that Miles dives off the building and as Peter B. Parker had told him, he's like, look, you won't know you can do this. It's a leap of faith. He jumps off that building and it cuts and him going down is him flying up. Him jumping into the city is him flying up. And it's this beautiful, beautiful cinematic moment. And the music just hits and I start choking up as he steps into the role of this is the moment that Miles becomes Spider-Man. And after this, we go over to the party. We see the other uh, Spider-People trying to get in. And they're like, how are we going to infiltrate? And inside, Wilson Fisk... Uh, to cover up his misdeeds has made all of the waiters wear Spider-Man masks. <laughs> and Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir goes, there's no way it's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> and so they all go in, they all put on bow ties and they're, they're all moving through. Eventually, uh, Peter B. Parker sees uh, Mary Jane and goes up and gives her this very long-winded speech about, I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you. And she goes, it's okay, I just need more bread. And he goes, I'm so sorry, you deserve all the bread in the world. <laughs> and eventually, uh, spider Boy comes in and she's like, I'm so sorry, ma'am. We'll, we will get be right back with your bread. And they hauls Peter away and they go into the underground. And when they arrive, they find out that it is a trap. The villains are waiting for them. And a fight ensues, and they're a little outmatched. A little. It's just a little too much. Until Miles comes in and saves the day. And Miles... Whereas up to this point, he has been very hesitant. He's very unsure of himself. He steps fully into this role and we really get to see him become Spider-Man and it's neat watching the movie from beginning to end he starts out I don't want this by the time they're going to Alchemax he's like okay I want to learn how to do this but I'm not good at it to at May Parker's house I'm not good at this but I want to be to uh, this is my role this is what I was meant to do and it's it's a two-hour ride, but it works so well. And uh, we get to the end of the fight. Uh, Miles is starting to send the, the spider people back to their universes. And Peter B. Parker is still like, no, I'll take care of this. You don't have to, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fight, Miles. And Miles goes, yeah, I, I do. And it's going to be okay. And... Peter B. Parker says, well, what if it isn't? And Miles uses Peter's own words to him. He goes, look, it's a leap of faith. And Peter smiles and goes, all right, kid, I think you got this. Yeah. And it's very important at this point 
that all the spider people are gone and it's Miles and Miles alone who has to face off with the Kingpin and save the day. Because this is Miles' movie. And if the other spider people were there, it cheapens that a little bit. Yeah. And Miles takes on the Kingpin. His dad is in the control room watching while all this goes down. Uh, important to note, Miles' mask never comes off as opposed to the other <laughs> Spider-Man we've watched so far. And it's, we get a really great fight scene. Again, the use of motion, the use of uh, animation. Uh, when Miles is first animated earlier in the movie, it skips frames so that it looks a little bit jittery and uh, a little bit uh, staggered. And then the motion moves out by the end. Uh, smooths out by the end of this film and it's just a neat little visual trick um, Miles beats Wilson Fisk saves the day um, hugs his dad says I love you all but says I'm Spider-Man doesn't tell him that he's Spider-Man yeah. I'd remembered wrongly that he told his dad who he was well, I mean, he, they're in a Spider-Man costume, and so his dad didn't know who, he thought he was talking about Spider-Man. Well, or did he, I get the whole scene? So, when he shows up, he knows he is a new Spider-Man. Yeah. And so, he saves the day, has a great moment where he hugs his dad. His dad doesn't know it's him. Right. Says, love you, man. And then <laughs> swings away, and he... The same as all our other Spider People got their intros complete with comic book covers. Miles gets his own intro with comic book cover and ends with, I am Spider-Man. <laughs> and then we go to credits. And we're in credits for a bit where we get to see all, all sorts of really neat uh, visual tricks. Um, and then at the end of the credits, we're introduced to someone new. Uh, the credits... Uh, introduce this person as interesting person um this is spider-man 2099 uh in the early 90s the concept came up of what happens 100 years from now with superheroes are they still around or is it their kids or grandkids well the idea with spider-man 2099 is he is a hispanic gentleman named miguel o'hare uh who gets bitten by a, a spider actually gets the ability to use organic webs and uh, goes out and fights in a Day of the Dead costume, basically. And he is voiced by Oscar Isaac of Star Wars and soon-to-be Moon Knight fame. And he says, hey, there's something we've got to deal with and I need to go track down another Spider-Man and jumps into an episode of the 1967 Spider-Man cartoon <laughs> uh, and recreates the famous Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme. And that's how the movie ends. I'm guessing that's set up for the next film. Um, but I really enjoy this movie. This is a really great animated movie. It's a really great Spider-Man movie. Um, it's all the things I enjoy about Spider-Man. It's, it's great power and great responsibility. It's dealing with tragedy and loss. There's a moment 
right after Aaron Davis dies that um, Miles is just breaking down and all of the spider people are like, look, we've, we've all lost someone. There are people that we just can't save. We can't save everyone. And they start mentioning the people. And again, it's that moment that that I start tearing up. But it's what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. Spider-Man is Spider-Man because he saves people. But he's Spider-Man because he deals with not saving people and keeps trying. And that that's heroic. That's The superpowers are awesome. It makes for great, interesting sci-fi adventure stories. A story about someone who faces personal tragedy and keeps trying and they may not be able to do what they want to do but they're going to try that's a heroic story that's a worthwhile story that's an interesting story you can give a superhero all the cool powers in the world but not give them an interesting story superman and and it it doesn't connect with audiences I love Superman, guys. I've, I've talked about it before. We'll, we'll get into that on another episode. Spider-Man keeps getting top dollar at the box office because people want to see someone who is able and willing to struggle and fight in spite of the fact that they may not win. That's an awesome person worth watching. That's Rocky. That's, that's an underdog story. And it's someone we want to root for. Um, and the fact that I really get excited about this that people of color get their own Spider-Man in Miles. That little girls like my niece Ava are going to get their own superhero like Spider-Gwen. Yeah. Like we were playing Marvel Ultimate Alliance over Thanksgiving and I was like, hey, do you want to play a Spider-Gwen? She's like, who's Spider-Gwen? I was like, it's it's a girl Spider-Man. <laughs> and she had this my niece is cute as a button. She sees this girl who looks kind of like her, and but is a superhero. And it's like her eyes light up because yeah. there's this there's this pop culture character. And I remember reading on a few different occasions with different people of different ethnicities or, or gender identities or sexual identities, and and they they talk about representation mattering and and when it's not connected to you when it's it's separated from you it's very easy to kind of roll your eyes and say how quaint but when it's someone close to you um like a niece or we're hoping to adopt and there's a very good chance that the child we adopt won't be the same ethnicity as us i want them to be able to pick up a comic book with someone who looks like them and it's someone that they can look up to as a as a hero that that's exciting to me is that people have someone that looks like them that they can identify with that they find heroic and that's what's great about Miles Morales as Spider-Man and what's really cool about the Spider-Verse type stories is it doesn't take away from the Peter Parker Spider-Man character at all if anything it strengthens it yeah and makes it better this was a fantastic Peter Parker story because it talks about him dealing with what happens when Spider-Man's almost 40. 
and he's still doing this and his marriage fell apart yeah. what what happens and the, the movie ends with the promise of him trying to reconnect with MJ yeah and that's really deep this is a two hour movie uh, under two hour movie yeah. by the way and it gets across a lot of really mature themes um, <laughs> and is able to do it in an interesting way in an entertaining way um, I, I can talk about this movie till I'm, I'm red in the face, but my goodness, this was good. This was good to watch. Uh, I own it in 4K, and it is one of my favorite things to watch in that way because it is so vivid, and there's so much little detail yeah. that pops up uh, whenever they're having a fight, and the energy bubbles pop up, and it looks like energy bubbles from a comic book, not a not a, a graphics package, but a, something from a comic book. That's exciting to me. That's special to me. When when Miles is thinking and he's trying to figure out if he's saying things out loud or just thinking them and the thought bubbles are like interrupting his <laughs> path, those are really neat visual cues. The storytelling is fantastic. The acting is phenomenal. And I say all this to say on the list of Spider-Man movies so far, uh, this is new number one. Again. Uh, and I don't know if the next two will get quite to this level, but I think they'll... I think Spider-Man's in good hands right now. Between Sony and and Marvel, it's, it's in good hands. And I'm excited to see where Spider-Man goes. And if he were here in Columbia right now, one, he would have nowhere to swing from because there's... Not, building. There's, building. there's not much that's taller than uh, than two stories. But uh, the siren's going by right now. He'd be jumping out the window <laughs> and web swinging with whatever he could to get around. So, guys, I, I hope you are watching these movies and not just listening to me ramble on about them. This one in particular is really special. If you haven't seen it, not nearly enough people did in the theaters. Uh, it's available on uh, FX, uh, on demand, uh, or on local TV stations. It's also really inexpensive to buy. Uh, I would recommend buying this one. I don't recommend it for youngsters uh, younger than about nine because it's a little intense, but it is really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm, without repeating myself, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> what What did you think? Well, I I kind of stole the wheel and just drove oh, this yeah. thing. Which is okay because I don't know if you noticed when you turned it on. You said I was super tired, uh -huh. and so I had a hard time focusing. I kept getting distracted by little things. You had to keep going like, "Aren't you watching this?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm watching this." And so, but as I watched, I, I enjoyed it. I think uh, I loved Spider Ham. Um, it just adds this comedy. Like, I, what's the words I'm looking for? The comic relief. Comic relief to the. Yes, because without the comedy in this, this is incredibly heavy. Yeah, but it it gave it just that comic relief of it. He's a pig. And he is a cartoon pig in the universe of this movie, which is yeah. itself animated. He is a 2D cartoon, cartoon pig. pig. And yeah. on the special features of this movie, there is even a Looney Tune style yes. spider ham short. Yes. Um, but no, for what I was paying attention, I'm, I remember 
Did we see? We saw it in theater. We went and saw this in theater. Yeah. yeah. So, because I remember enjoying it then, but like, as our listeners should know by now, I don't remember movies. Yeah. So, um, but just watching it with you last night, what little I was able to focus in on and and watch was uh, I was enjoying it. I just uh, my my brain was so tired. It kept I kept forgetting what I was supposed to be doing, and I would pick up my phone and start scrolling through Facebook or whatever, and then it's like. You would start laughing and ask me if I noticed something, and I would put my phone down again and be like, oh, yeah, sorry. So what you did there was one scene that you, the first time I think you did that, there's that one uh, scene when he first went to his uncle's apartment, and his uncle had Spider-Man on the TV. That's right. You so can't talk about it that. Is, it is a, there's, when he first gets to his uncle Aaron's uh, apartment, on the TV is Donald Glover. I believe it's a scene from the third season of Community, but he is getting up in his Spider-Man pajamas. <laughs> and that was a, a wink, wink, uh, nudge, nudge. Uh, Miller and Lord worked with uh, Donald Glover uh, in Solo, but uh, Donald Glover campaigned really, really, really hard to play uh, Spider-Man, Peter mm-hmm. Parker, Spider-Man. For a lot of time, he actually voiced Miles Morales in one of the animated shows. Okay. And he is so much of a Spider-Man fan that we're actually going to talk about him next week when he pops up in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, nice. But Donald Glover is a huge Spider-Man fan. Really campaigned hard to be Peter Parker in 2011's Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. But... Yeah, it was it was this sweet moment where I was like, "Did you see that? Did you see that he's on the TV?" And that was the first time I realized I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And so you re- you rewound it and I watched it. I'm like, "Oh, that's hilarious." No, absolutely. I I have been trying more and more to use single screen experience of just watching a movie and yeah. not having a phone or computer. Yeah. Just because I find I enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah. Can't watch something while you're scrolling through Facebook. I don't care if how you feel about being uh, someone who can multitask. It's just you're not going to get what you can out of it. But yeah, I was just I was just tired last night, and so it was kind of absentmindedly I, kept doing that. I understand, and it's also force a habit in yeah. 2021. This is how people take in content a lot yeah. of times. Yeah, you know, take in portions of each thing while we're so if if you are currently in a room with a tv on or a computer in front of you and you're listening to us shame on you (laughs) we do it too (laughs) this is me lighting the shame thrower Uh and we totally do it all the time Uh, less these days but i i do um guys looking forward to next week next week we are in the mcu with spider-man homecoming uh if you're watching along with us uh feel free to fire that up it's available on stars uh it's also available for purchase most anywhere um if you want to do extra credit you can watch uh captain america civil war before you watch that we will briefly be touching on it though not re-watching it uh, as we lead into uh as we lead into Spider-Man Homecoming. And when is the new one released in theaters? We already got our tickets. Uh, December 17th. Okay. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, and the count is on. We're yeah. leading into it. 
All right, guys, thanks so much for being with us. We hope to have you as a listener next week for more favorite things. Bye. Thank you.